You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents Fight in Progress. Hello, Susan. How are you? Hello, Tom. It's nice to be back here in the Chris Ferrar podcast studio. We don't say that enough. We always forget to put him in there. That's true. And we, we got to keep remembering, although that tends to be when he comes in <laughs> right. to my house and, and turns my lights and TVs on and stuff to aggravate me at night. But he hasn't been he hasn't done that recently, so I'm, I'm overdue, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. But, you know, life goes on. Cancer update. Good news, bad news. Good news. Um, got a reprieve from treatment. <laughs> bad news. Got a reprieve from treatment because treatment caused a heart problem. <laughs> you know, how do you win with this stuff? I, yeah. Well, it's no wonder why it's affecting your heart, all the crap that they put in there. It, you know? Well, and they knew it could. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, really? Okay, whatever. Let's just... Hey, I got a break. Hey, it's just one more bump in the road. Uh, yeah, but Kyle, you know, I was I was five treatments away, Tom. I know. And it seems to be a pattern with me of September to December. Mm. That That's what we hit last year. And now yep. the cardiologist says they can see me in December. I said, did you hear me say I'm a cancer patient, patient that stopped chemo? And they're like, oh, yeah. Okay, we'll see you in December. She says, we can't process your paperwork for the referral for four days. I said, ma'am, we can put a man on the moon in less than four days. Yeah, no kidding. I don't think she knew how to take me, but I don't really care at this point. (laughs) Kind of over that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you and I get to go on a new adventure today all the way over to Laughlin, Nevada. Maybe the Mongols and the Hells Angels will be having a party. We'll find Hopefully something. not a together party. Oh, I don't know. That might make it even more fun as long as this isn't somebody else's hotel. There you go. <laughs> you know, you don't hear about them, so I just assumed they'd all kind of died. Oh, no. They're alive and kicking. Well, let's go see what we can find out. <laughs> we look for haunted hotels. That's right. We hadn't found a ghost yet. Um, Joelle doesn't know, but when we go back to – where are we going next? Oh, back to Bisbee. It's Halloween night. Mm-hmm. There's a hotel that's the oldest functioning hotel in Arizona since 1902. And one of the rooms a young lady many, many, many years ago hung herself in. I think I'll book Tom in that room for Halloween. Don't you think that I'll be down the I'll be a block over at another hotel. But don't you think that would be fun? I, for Tom, yes. <laughs> Tom, Tom's going to love it. Yeah, he, he should never let me make travel arrangements. <laughs> I would be sleeping in the car. <laughs> she can come out there and visit you. Oh, no. Uh, we're going to take Joelle down there one day. Maybe we'll take you for Halloween. I think you should go for Halloween with us. I'm sick on Halloween. <laughs> he has a, it's a, a chronic cute little illness. town, that's for sure. He has an OBGYN appointment that day. <laughs> Anyway, life goes on around here, and it just always seems like, well, I wasn't here last week. Did you people dog me last week? No, oh. I did not. I don't believe it. We're going to I said to that you were with a client, I believe. And actually, I was with my doctor finding out. Or, or maybe it was. That's what I found. I said you had an appointment, I think, maybe. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. I was getting the good news, so yeah. I should have been here instead. But anyway, <laughs> what's new with you, Joel? You went to Mexico. Yeah. Glad you made it back. A little tanner, sunburn, you know, but it was fun. That's kind of questionable sometimes. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Either you choose to stay or somebody decides you need to stay. <laughs> uh, if I could stay, I would at a at a resort down there. Well, yeah, it was good living. We had we had money put aside in case somebody was holding you hostage. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, we were gonna we were gonna make sure you came back and that you know that we'd pay whatever. Start a GoFundMe. The that's ransom. Right. That's what we should have done. Joelle's going to Mexico. We need a ransom fund, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> anyway, we have a very dear friend. I, I had to laugh, Michael, when I had. Tom's wife, Tracy, call or email you or whatever to set this up. And then you and Tom had a chance to talk the other day. <laughs> Tell him what you said. I don't I don't know exactly what I said to you, but I was very impressed when you started telling me about all of your career and what you've done and where you've been. And I was like, holy cow, this guy <laughs> has seen and done a lot of stuff. Very impressed. Yes. <laughs> So Michael, Thank I don't you. I don't know how much information you want to give. So we're going to let you give what name you want to give. We never know <laughs> if people want to give their real name on this show or not. Um, but tell us about you, the background. And again, you and I have known each other at least twenty five years plus, meeting mm-hmm. at the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors, and met there. I think I taught for him for about 18 years straight. It was it was a long time, and then I moved out here and want to get back there with him again and see if there's anybody left I even know. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about you, sir. Well, I was born in Trinidad and Tobago and um, raised up by my grandparents and my mom. Very strict, very, very, very strict back then we as from a very early age we knew how to work and do all of that stuff and um i became a police officer um in 1976 prior to that i've been very much involved in sports and especially combat sports athletics as well running the tracks you know in high school over there so i'm a very very active person i became involved in boxing and um and judo a very early age uh from age nine officially i started my martial arts at age 10. Wow. and um i practiced my martial arts various martial arts skills i've been blessed to have so many different teachers you know even um even oriental teachers you know one of them was actually from uh, a former shaolin person hmm. and i still have some connections with one of those type of people who I met recently online, there is Shaolin UK, Master Sheheng Yi. Very great. I pay attention to him. But um, I've been, you know, I've been into the, the Hall of Fame here, uh, the Florida Hall of Fame for defense tactics in particular. Um, some of these can be seen on my website, Combative Systems International. Um, in Trinidad and Tobago, um, even during uh, my induction training as a recruit, from the very uh, from the very second month in training, uh, I was made uh, in- instructor on the staff, on the on the instructor staff for what we used to call self defense back then. We didn't say defense tactics, and um, I was already a black belt, and um, I was an assistant instructor. And from there, I, you know, I grew. And after graduating, I had to go back and 
eventually, and um, I had I became a member of the staff against my wishes, I, you know, <laughs> against what I thought. Um, I went, I, I returned there um, to do a special training program so that I can train my police, my police division where I was, um, where I was assigned to, because I love working the streets as a patrolman and investigator. And so I just love, you know, working with the community, helping the community, but then the bad guys, you know, off the street and everything. But I did this program, this training program for an, an instructor development and to be in charge of training for the division. And uh, they thought that I did so well, you know, and um, the call, officer called me to the office and I thought, well, okay, all right, thank you, sir, for, you know, your kind compliments. I'll go back and do what you expect. He said, you're not leaving. <laughs> you're now going to be at the academy. You're one of us on staff here. And that led from one thing to the next. Um, became the defense tactics instructor lead, then became firearms instructor. Then, along with certain people, certain members of my staff, we developed certain programs of training, uh, advanced training for firearms. Um, I invested quite a lot myself personally because for me, it's not a job; it's a ministry. I'm, I'm ministering to people. I'm, I'm giving service back. You know. Um, that God has given me a gift for. So I invested quite a lot. Eventually, um, I was I was I was blessed to to come to Fletzi mm -hmm. on a scholarship, government to government scholarship as a firearms instructor, and um, the first ever non-American uh, to train at Fletzi, uh, FITP and SAPP 409 back in 1994. People people go like. 94, you know, I said, yeah, they say, that's a long time ago. How old are you? <laughs> well, that's probably about the time that you and I met then, because I, under the shield, started in 92. So did you go from Fletzy to ILF? Because I think it was in Florida that we met the first time. No, or was it, uh, in... I think it, no, I think it was in Arizona over there. It was in Phoenix. That was our first Phoenix, one. Phoenix, Arizona. And Dave yeah, Gross, Phoenix, Lieutenant Arizona. Colonel Grossman, and I it was yeah. our first... Mm -hmm. Hmm. Both yeah, of us started here. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I I was valedictorian in that class. I, I did well, thank God, and got back home and became the primary instructor in Trinidad and Tobago for the entire police department. That's plus five thousand police officers. Mm -hmm. So I'm responsible with my team of great officers for the police academy, doing the programs, the lesson outlines, and and all of that in service training plus um, other special units, including the counter-narcotic unit that I used to be the chief instructor for. Um, we have to do urban urban uh, operations and rural operations, which means that you have to go into the jungle. So that meant that um, it would lead to me having some specialized training with our special forces in Trinidad and Tobago. So. It was, the request was made that I come down by the people in the Special Forces and the Special Operations Group of our military. So on a couple of occasions, I trained with these people, and certified, and um, there I was. You know, you really, should, you really should have set some goals for yourself. <laughs> you know, you, you really are an underachiever here. I, I didn't realize how much of an underachiever you are. And it was all against his wishes. <laughs> and, and I have to tell a funny story because now that you say that about Phoenix, wasn't someone else with you from Trinidad? Yes, and yes. They, they I, said... Yes, there was, there was my friend. Um, 
There were two of them. Yes. Um, two of them. There's, very good rich. Yes. And I've heard very from good him. Rich. I've heard We're from still him. good friends. Yep. And um and and Brian Headley. Okay, I don't we, remember we, that we, name. We all still connected together. Well, it's know? funny. They it's sat funny. in the back of the room. I, I even remember where y'all were sitting. And I always would say, because I'm in Arizona, uh, if we have a language barrier, you know, and you don't understand me, raise your hand. These fools sat back with their hands up the whole time. <laughs> I think the Southern accent got them. <laughs> I will never forget that. That was the funniest thing. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so, so I, I um, eventually I, 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 you know, did all of that for my police department and for my country. And then I took the option to retire and came to the United States, did quite a number of training, started off with IPS, International Protective Services. I was involved in training federal police service officers, you know, um, in room entry operations and so on. Did so many other things. But the, the most important, the most important highlight of my life in coming to the United States. Besides is, meeting me. Yes. <laughs> after you. After right. you. Absolutely. Is the fact that... Um, you know, is my beginnings. You know, I, I started I started off with um, blood-borne pathogen cleanups, wow. you know, and um, if people know what that is. That's not so pretty to do. It's one Great. of the dirtiest jobs, you know, police cars, police jails, the prisons, and so on. You know, it's very, very menial. And I remember times when, you know, one time I asked the Lord, I said, why did you bring me here to, to put me into this? And literally, you know, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and said, because I have something bigger for you, and I need to prepare you. I need you to be humble and patient. And um, how old were you at that point when you started? Um, oh, I was in my fifties. I was in my fifties. But starting out in law enforcement in the very beginning, how, uh, there. What age I, do you I, have to I be? I started off at age twenty. Okay. Mm -hmm. I started off at age twenty. So. Um, Eventually, you know, that materialized into someone calling me and introducing me to, um, to being a, a a military defense um, contractor. I was like, what is that all about, you know? Mm -hmm. One thing led to, to the next and so on. I got selected, attended the Crucible, and I was in Doha, Qatar. Um, before you know it, uh, doing force protection, assisting in training as well, discovered my training abilities. And um, I was also the lead, the lead force protection um, person for U.S. CENCOM over there in um, Doha, Qatar at Camp Asalia. After after that was done, I went to Afghanistan on the PSD team where we protect the executives. We're running all around Afghanistan. Thing about that is that you know you have the butterflies because every time you leave that wire, especially for the <laughs> first time you're going to leave that wire, you know so much is going on. You don't you don't know if you're going to come back. Sure. You know. So sure. we had the butterflies, but I did well. God was with me and everyone else and so on. For us, it was service to our our country. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, in Afghanistan, and um, with me, with me, um, I, I see everything like I said as ministry serving. Yep. You know, it's not all about me. I have to take myself out of it and do what what is expected of me, not by man, but by God. That's that's why I'm here. Yep. I, I think that God not just positions, but he pre, he repositions people, and he was repositioning me 
all of the time. So I became um I became a team lead from there. I got quick promotion within 90 days. And um eventually I became a site security manager. I went to various camps to ensure that we have good force protection, developed um force protection model that became the model for all of Afghanistan, was rewarded, you know, very nicely with a gold star award from Dynco International. That was my people. And we were, our client was the Department of State, Department of Defense, NATO. So I did all of that. And um, I was transferred at one time. I don't, I don't know how you get all this in. How did you manage to get more than seven days in a week and 365 days in a year is what I want to know. Because I need, I need that right. trick. <laughs> I don't know how you're... Yeah. I'm exhausted listening to That's why to I you. said when I talked to him on the phone, I was like, man, this guy has done so much. I don't, I mean, your it, lifetime, you got to be just crazy busy all the time. It'd be easier to say, what have you not done? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Eventually, I, I, um, I was transferred to, to Wardak Province um, at the, uh, at the uh, Special Police Training Center, um, which is governed by the General Department of Police Special Units, counterterrorism and anti-crime. Um, it, it is it is something that that is run by the International Security Assistance Forces, Special Operations Forces, led by U.S. Special Forces guys. So I was one of the contractors uh, for Dynco on that team of instructors, and we trained there for six for six. Uh, Six days, nearly seven days a week. Every single day, we stayed there for a year. Wow! We trained in the sun, the rain. We trained in winter, day and night. You know, it was good. We made, we we made a uh, good progress there. We trained people that become really good at what they do. You mm-hmm. know, and in, in those times of of terrorism and so on, these people really love their country, and I enjoyed you know making people lives better. That's how I see stuff. If I can make if I can make your life better mm-hmm. through the training. And the mentoring and all of that stuff, I, I'm a very happy person. That makes my day. You know, yes, we want to get paid, but that is that is how I value and you know and, and assess my success in making people's life better. And, um, when yeah, that was Tom over, and Joel need to hear this because I'm fixing to cut their pay because they don't need money. We, they just need to make people's lives better. Y'all, I'm y'all, sorry, guys. I'm y'all, sorry, y'all be more like Michael. There you go. Okay. <laughs> this... <laughs> so finally, I um, I I was assigned to a team of sixteen of the, uh, as they said, the top sixteen um, instructors. Uh, we were assigned to a special unit, the Afghan Public Protection Force, which was, which was the brainchild of President Karzai, the then President Karzai. So we we had to train these guys to ensure that you know entire Kabul area is secured and so on. And I was actually put in charge of um, close quarter combat training operations. You know, self defense training the, the instructors for DT. My, my DT is different. It's um, it's an amalgamation of different uh, techniques and disciplines. I'm not very big on technique as I am on principle. Mm-hmm. You know, um, very principles of you know calm, psyche, move, continuous movements, etc., and so on. Um, so what year all is all this that you're there? Huh? What year was that that you were there doing all of this? Well, uh, I left uh, December 2013. Um, for the Christmas, but we officially we left there in uh, 2014. Okay. Yeah. 
I've been with Danko uh, from 2000, 2009, 2009, so to, 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 uh, 2013 into 14. So it's quite a lot of years that I spent over there contributing, you know, developing, being promoted and, and all of that, you know, getting the various awards and everything. And some things are just more than money. Yes. You know, some things are just more than money. And, you know, like I said, I, um, yeah, I like to get paid, you know, and paid well, but, um, God provides, it, God provides. That's right. You know, but I, I am more satisfied when I can see your growth and development. And that's, that's all it is all about. If I can mm -hmm. see each individual's law enforcement officer life grow by means of what I can impart to that person, then I know that the department itself is going to have a better cadre of police officers. And so the, the, the community will be better served and serviced and protected by these officers. Sure. So that, that means less liability issues as well. Well, you're paying <laughs> it forward too. Yeah, that's right. That's what it's that's all exactly about right. is making it better. And um, so when you left there, now is DynCorp still even in existence? I have not communicated with them, but I think they are because DynCorp is one of the top group um, uh of, of you know uh, military defense contractors on the planet these people are really 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 good at what they do um they do quite a number of stuff for for the government you know um you just they, don't hear their name in a number of, right in a number of places yeah you know being married to dea don was a common term in our household with other things but you just i i, I hadn't thought about that name and a lot of years so i didn't, wasn't even sure if they were still around so or maybe called yeah, something that, else or maybe yeah, because I mean, they do things right, and so they're they don't get the bad press. No, it's government. <laughs> no, no, it's government. No, we, we can't we can't go that far. Um, they did they did do things right with Michael's guidance and direction, obviously. But um, so from that, then all of you started your own company. I, I, yes, absolutely. Um, Combative Systems International. It used to be security consulting initiatives, um, but that had to change because um, one of one of my good friends, uh, John M. Peterson III, um, I met him one time uh, in a counterterrorism uh, meeting, a conference in New York City. Him and uh, John O'Hanlon, you know John O'Hanlon, the writer. Yeah. So John O'Hanlon was speaking there, and they said, "So what's the name of your company?" I said, "Security Company uh, Consulting Initiatives." Like, that doesn't go with you. <laughs> <laughs> said, "You need to have a name that goes with you as a warrior." And I said, "Okay." I I, I listened to that. I said, "That has to be God speaking." I I put it in prayer, and suddenly I just came up with uh, Combative Systems International, and. Um, I, I, I asked the Lord, I said, just give me the wisdom to have a good mission, you know, and mm -hmm. I want a good vision. So the vision is providing justifiable essential for survival under stress. It's, it's also the acronym for Jesus. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I did, you know? didn't even, that didn't even register. That's mm -hmm. amazing. So how many people work for you? Just me. And just me um well i have so many i have so many good associates and friends that um if, if something if something comes up somewhere 
in the future and I need folks, that's not that's not the most difficult thing for me to get at all. All I, all I have to do is call and let them know. Well, I need to apologize to you because you met some of our people, <laughs> Josh and Karen Logan. Yep. Love, mm-hmm. Karen. I'm really sorry you met Josh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell me about Josh Logan. That's you... my brother. Actually, my brother, Karen, is just so wonderful a person. They, you know, they're really just nice people. Have you ever really met anybody, nice. though, with more ADHD than Josh Logan? Come on no. now. Let's be honest. No, 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 no. I thought I was, but no, Josh has gone another level. Yes. He, he takes everything to another level. Karen is actually one of our stress coaches. Josh, that won't ever happen because Josh, Josh is Josh. Uh, we, we, I, did, I officiated their wedding. Did they tell you that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's another crazy thing they've started out here. Yeah, the Phoenix guys. I think I'm on my 10th wedding. And, uh, yeah, I don't understand why they want me marrying them, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, Josh and Karen, they're good people, and I think they're doing really good things here. And I think they could probably uh, learn a lot from you. Talk to us about the trainings that you're doing, and are you traveling still around the world and doing these trainings, or are you just doing it in the U.S.? No, I'm I'm just I'm just in the US, you know. Yeah, I'm just in the US. Um well because of ILFE, I was able to train um some of the guys from from Hong Kong police department. Yes. Uh we used to have Albert Lee mm-hmm. um and his boys come in there and certain certain things that happened in uh defense tactics class um that they had there led them to um mandate some of the instructors training in one of my DT class that I trained at one time in Alefi. And then they they were so appreciative of it. What up, you know, my, my philosophies, my principles that goes along with the techniques. And um, they honored me as an honorable master instructor for the Hong Kong PD. Hmm. You know, I, I look at those photos every time, you know, the group photo and everything. I look at the the, the Beautiful uh, memoirs and stuff that they that they presented me, you know, and um, it, it's it's really something. And um, Alefi has done quite a lot. I, I was able to meet quite a lot of people mm-hmm. because of Alefi. I'm really appreciative and and, and grateful for Alefi over the years. Um, uh, Mike Beckley um, mm-hmm. was um, one of those persons, along with Mr. Bozzi. Um, I was able to train some of the police officers in the, in the Hamptons in Long Island in defense tactics. Some of their some of their thoughts can be seen um, on my LinkedIn, uh, how they thought about that, you know. And um, there, there are other groups that I was able to to train, you know, being invited. And most of the most of the stuff that I have done um, is just pro bono, you mm-hmm. know. Even my speaking engagement, you know. Speaking at one of the uh, the twelfth uh, annual conference uh, for uh, for terrorism professionals, terrorism security professionals here in Orlando in 2017 um, by Security Solutions in International. You know, mm-hmm. I was one of the eight people that spoke there, and um, some of the things that I actually predicted is we see it happening today. As a matter of fact, you know, sure. it was great. Great, great, great uh, conference, well attended, and um, 
well appreciated as a matter of fact but you know uh we you know it's just foresight when you have when you have a, a wide array assortment of experience especially from people like myself who are coming from an international background or you who used to be on the outside looking in and now you are on the inside of it you have a different perspective on what's happening yep. at the time and what is most likely to happen and you sure. know and um I, I the things that i talked about you know the um you know the people coming into america I, I one of the things that i said is that america cannot is very unlikely to be defeated by anyone of, of the, the the threat from outside you know we we most our defeat will probably be from the inside yes <laughs> who, we allow, who we allowed in here we we've seen that today sure you know we've seen that today but you're so, right about ILF because it was a good launching ground for me and for Lieutenant Colonel Grossman. Now, obviously, he's been a whole lot more successful. I think my southern accent killed a lot of people. But because, um, you know, and, and we would be remiss in not mentioning 9-11 and this mm-hmm. anniversary that we have just gone through now for 22 years. And, you know, one of the groups that I picked up from ILF was the federal um flight deck officers, the pilot program that they started carrying guns again on the flight deck and working with those guys uh, post 9-11. That all came through ILFE as well. And mm-hmm. it, it is. It's, a, it's an organization that has so many hands out in so many directions because, and I had forgotten about the Hong Kong people coming to ILFE. I do remember them being there a couple of years that I was there. Yeah, I don't think they sat in my class because I don't think they were ready for this <laughs> accent, for sure. They would just kind of go, hi, <laughs> in the hospitality yeah. suite. That's about all I could get. <laughs> but it really is a, it's a, a great organization and the contacts and stuff that you can make through them and it's a place, again, I'd like to get back to, uh, hopefully in the next couple of years, that we can get back to the, there you go. <laughs> and what does it say? It says, uh, Site Security Manager Michael Lazarus, leading by example. Very nice. Making a world of a difference. Yes. And you are. And that was that was from Danco International. And I wish our audience and could. That's exactly what could, could see that's, that's what com- yeah that's what combative systems is also all about making a difference mm-hmm. uh, some of the programs that i that i have developed over the years like um personal defense tactics is an amalgamation of different things it's not one thing i don't believe police officers should be you know limited to let's say like just mixed martial arts or jujitsu or like that yeah they should have a compendium of various training disciplines together so that uh, when they come into contact with a suspect or suspects who are so uh, who are so trained, they will be able to develop, you know, um, a, a defense, you know, and uh, a reaction. They have that that preparation already in place to deal with that. You know, it, it, it has worked for me. So I have experience in Japanese, some Japanese martial arts and Chinese martial arts. Uh, I, I come from the streets, as a matter of fact, in Trinidad, that's a tough place. So with all of this here, it makes me, it makes it easy for me. I don't look for, for trouble, but if it comes, you know, first of all, I want to know exactly how to get out. I think I think the best success or victory you can have is, is being able to de-escalate stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and everybody walk away safely. That's 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 my first option of priority. If you can't, then you can't. You right. know? Um, my training is real is based on realism. So one of one of the programs that I introduced at Alefi uh, in West Palm Beach, and I took it to a number of, of the other pro, um, conferences that they had is called In Custody Combat Shoot. It was really, really appreciated when we went to um, to Houston, Texas. Uh, was it Las Vegas, as a matter of fact, pardon me, Las Vegas. We had Luan and all these people took the class and other instructors and they were like, what, it, what caused that is because of the fact that we move from basics where you're running through some dry runs, and I'll bring you to that point where you are actually putting each other in handcuff, draw your weapon, and you're shooting at targets. Hmm. It is the first time that police officers and instructors ever had the experience of being in a handcuff himself or herself by your colleagues we are training, and you move from dry fire to know you are doing live fire. Wow. And now you're doing movements. Hmm. Wow. And that was just that was just level one of that training program. So what does that mean? How, how do we translate that? Well, the fact is this. In custody combat shooting prepares the police officer for that moment when he or she has a suspect in handcuff or under their control. If there is some level of threat, you should be able to defend that person and yourself at the same time. So let's say it is a, it, the level of threat is deadly. It's ineminent and it's inevitable. It's according to the law. Well, you couldn't turn your back and run. You're going to get shot in your back mm -hmm. because it's a deadly threat. Or you may get chopped, you may get stabbed, whatever it, it might be. So you have to engage. You have to engage. Th that person in your custody, you also have to protect because it might be that that person in custody uh, might be the one that the people who uh, wants to hurt. Right. Because that person may have harmed an aged person, a child or whatever it is, or it might be a friend, you know, another gangster that says, you're not taking him, not taking her. So your life depends on it. So you have to protect that person in custody. You have to engage, whether it's with the gun, whether it's with the taser, doesn't matter. You have to engage. <laughs> so that's why I take it up to that level. Hmm. That's pretty In custody yeah. combat shooting. Now, yeah. when you say level one, how many levels are there? Uh, three levels. Okay. Wow. Three levels. Because what it does, it takes you from, it takes you from, working as an individual and then you partner up it's all dry run we do static and we do short moves one step two step three steps then we start making uh dynamic movements on your own we partner up again we start moving around and then we put that into um in, into live fire again going back to the basic with one person and then we put them into into pairs, and uh, if there is enough people, we're gonna have three people. So one of the third person will be 
like the instructor, the the, the safety the safety officer. If you have three of them, mm-hmm. but you know you need to have you know instructors enough for such for such a training. That's kind of like one on one kind of stuff, you know, because it's a very serious type of training. It's never been done anywhere on the planet. It's never been done anywhere on the planet. Um, so we take that into a scenario level because if you have any training at all that doesn't culminate in some sort of realistic training, well, it's incomplete. Yes. Right. It's incomplete. Mm-hmm. So that's why you have to go from uh, from that very basic level until you get to the scenario level. When they get to that scenario level, then they can walk away and say, this was really good training. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, I, I don't, I'm very meticulous with training people and giving people a certificate for something. If it's, if it's incomplete, it's not going to happen. How because long is that training? Is that an eight hour, 40 hour? How, how long is each that's level? A, that's a 40 hour training. Okay. And are departments, a, police departments, sheriff's departments bringing you in to teach this? Mm, no. Will they ever? I don't know. You see, it, it all depends maybe on uh, the policies, policy makers. There might, there might be a number of variables involved. You know, I, I think what happened is that there are some changes that people are very reluctant to make mm-hmm. because they're scared. They're scared of the unknown, mm-hmm. you know, but it has been highly rated. Um, you can, you can see, you can see it on my, um, on, on my, on my Instagram. I have photos in, in there on my, um, on my Facebook, etc. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, the problem, the problem is that I think people don't like to take, uh, chances. Sure. They're scared, but you know, God has not given me the spirit of fear. I have a spirit of power, mm-hmm. love, and a sound mind. Spirit of power because I am empowered to do certain things. Love because what I do is because not just love for what I do, but love for the fact that you're providing a service that others might live. Mm-hmm. And a sound mind means that whatever you're doing, it is coming from somewhere with, with the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding that these are the benefits derived from what we are doing here. If there, if there are no, if there are no good benefits derived from it, then you don't need to be involved in it. Sure. You know, um, some people, are, I think some some policymakers are just too scared. They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't want to embark on it. Then you have to think about the, the um, the unions and all of that. The attorneys. The, the People don't like to go in uncharted waters. Sure. Right. Sure. That's that's the bottom line. And you shouldn't be. Yeah, law enforcement's always been known for that. Right. Uh, you know, yeah. we didn't we didn't change from revolvers to semi automatics till the FBI shootout in Miami. We didn't go to, to rifles and long guns until the mess in, in California. It's mm-hmm. it's like bad things have to happen, then they go, Oh, okay. Well right. now oh, this, we'll do that. That probably was a good idea. We should have done that before. Right. Yeah. Because that's mm-hmm. what I hear it, with departments, and they'll say things like, well, we haven't had a suicide. Oh, so let's wait till you have one? That, that's a good plan. Sure. That's, that's, uh, and you ought to be proactive because it's going to come up. So the, the person is in handcuff. 
let's look at handcuff supremacy and people say, well, what's handcuff supremacy? We already do handcuff training. Yet your handcuff training is for a compliance suspect mm -hmm. or someone that you would probably would have brought under control already. We are looking at the situation where here is a suspect compliant and we have a contact officer and a cover officer. Okay. I approach that suspect, that presumably compliant suspect. And this is one of the biggest problems in law enforcement globally is that we tend to make assumptions that are mm -hmm. incorrect. Yep. Right. Yep. We assume that that compliant suspect will remain Ooh. compliant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we approach, and now that they are under so much pressure from activists and, you know, other, other, other people involved and so on, you know, it, it sort of takes police awareness down. The way they would approach things now is not how they would have done it. They would have done it differently. But they're scared. That fear factor is in because everyone has a, a camera on their phone and they don't want to be the one to be seen doing this and doing that. Well, they can go to jail for it. I mean, police yeah, yeah, officers will be charged. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Even while you're being, you, you, you follow policy, you still go to jail for it. Yep. But to, to, I digress a little bit, but to get back to the point, I, I'm, I am approaching that person with my handcuff and... Um, that, com that presumed compliance suspect becomes non-compliant, turns around. Maybe the, the hands are up, all to the side, whatever it is, turns around now and attacks you. Mm -hmm. Okay? You carry, you carry a rig, a, a duty belt, with your firearm and, and other, other gears on it. But what you have in your hand, in what we would call your gun hand will be a handcuff. And um, most likely, um, hopefully, um, I hope it's a rigid handcuff, okay? Yeah. Or one of those type of handcuffs because I, 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 I don't like the chain link cuff because you can't do any combatives with that. Mm -hmm. So the, the link and the rigid handcuffs, that's, that's, what I, that's what I use. So now that person become resistive person becomes aggressive and they attack you maybe throw a punch at you or decide to grab your gun there is none of your training from the academy none of your training from the academy could stop that person because whatever you have on your duty belt you don't have time to get it that's where action beats reaction mm -hmm. And you're going to pay a price. Yep. You, you, you probably didn't know that that person had uh, a hidden weapon somewhere, right? And came up with that weapon. Stab you. It could be a pen. doesn't have to be a knife. Sure. Anything can be a weapon. But the person come at you. What do you do? Are you going to go for your gun? Are you going to go for your taser or whatever? You don't have time for that. You're going to get into a scrap with him. Here it is that you have that rigid handcuff, that that, that 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 secure device in your hand. You have to know how to use it. Mm -hmm. So my training with that is offensive and defensive because from different angles, I can work that together with movements. If you punch at me, you kick. 
whatever it is you try to you try to grab my firearm, I can use that handcuff. And I actually actually taught that class. And the last in Houston recently, and some of the people who were in that class, they were like, oh my God, never <laughs> done this before. And I told them, I said, I know you're a cop. I know you're all of that. But if I have this cuff and you attack me, there's no way you're going to beat me. And I don't have to hurt you, but I'm going to control you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to control you. When I control you, if any one of your people decide to attack me and there's a deadly threat, I still can keep you in that handcuff and I can engage a threat, a deadly threat. Yep. They were really happy for it. The thing about it is that the reality of that is that your, your cover officer definitely may not have a clear shot at that suspect sure. because of what is happening at the time. Mm -hmm. Sure. They will be like, you can't get a, cash, a clear shot. So you, you have to do something before that cover officer can now come and assist you in engaging with hands-on, you at that time should be able to have uh, a trained response yep. that will deal with that attack. And you know what? As you're talking about this, we had a deputy with Maricopa County Sheriff's Department over in the West Valley that maybe if he had known this, would have lived the one that in the jail. Mm -hmm. That he got the suspect to jail and had and was un handcuffing him to fingerprint or something, and I, I think that's when it went bad because he didn't know what else to do. But if he'd had that right. handcuff, and then the guy wound up, I think, getting his gun and shooting yep. him and killing him. Yeah, it was. You know, you can't help but wonder how many law enforcement deaths we have that if they knew so, uh, it's just another tool on exactly. their tool belt of how to use what you've got yeah and that, absolutely Absol absolutely uh, so officers can only get this if they go to conferences like ILFE or are you teaching at other conferences and stuff if departments aren't bringing you in um, I'm hoping to be um, hoping to attend ILETA mm -hmm. next year I'm a member of ILETA, so I'm, I'm hoping to get to ILETA so that um, we can become a little more acquainted. They can get to know me and um, probably do a launch there. Um, I've had I've had I've had police officers from one of the departments here that that took that class, and um, they were amazed, you know, in custody combat shooting, and um, handcuff supremacy. And you know they they really appreciated it. They they were instructors from that department. They really appreciated Mike. You know we we never thought about this. We don't get this at all, kind of me. You know I feel better prepared now. Sure. You know. Sure. And it it was just it was just a couple of days that you know we did that as introductory training, and um, that's that's how they felt about that. Why do you think departments don't even want that? A at least the handcuff part. I, I, the other one, because where guns are involved, right. heaven forbid we get guns involved, but why do you think they're not open and receptive at least to the handcuff supremacy part? They don't understand it. What about they going to chief's it. conferences? Have you, have you had any luck even trying to get into ICP? For what that's worth, um, or it, the chiefs' associations. 
Yeah, I, I, I try. I tried. I tried one time, mm-hmm. um, unsuccessfully. So unsuccessfully. So you and me both. Uh, <laughs> un, unsuccessfully. So, um, you see, I'll, I'll tell you, irons sharpen iron. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do believe that sometimes, that um, some people don't think that they should be sharpened. Yep. Yep. Uh, you know. I always believe I have that 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 honest belief that the the membership will really appreciate getting new stuff coming to them. I think the problem always lies with the policymakers, uh, the city officials, you know, who have to put the money out and all of that stuff. If if they don't know about it, they they, they wouldn't try to find out about it. Mm-hmm. If they don't know about you. They won't try to find out about you. Probably if they find out that maybe, um, well, he's maybe not law enforcement from from U.S. law enforcement, you know, probably doesn't know enough for them. Try being yeah, a southern female who was never a cop. <laughs> it works out really well, let me assure you. But, but what about even your progressive sheriffs there in Florida? Are they not even open to this? Like well, Grady? You know, and- I um. I couldn't say, you know, I, I, I really, I really couldn't say, you know, differently, um, because I haven't had that, that discussion with them, you know, in um, deeply, you know, just, just briefly, mm-hmm. you know, just briefly, but they're very busy here. You know, I've met a few of the guys before and, um, you know, they, they know me well, they really endorse some of the things that I'm doing. But it, it takes it takes a lot more than just the guys, you know. It takes quite a lot more. Um, I'd love to know Mark Lamb's take on this. Right. Our sheriff out here in Pinell County. I'd love mm-hmm. to know what his thoughts on it would be because he's been a lot more open to things and he backs his people and he's right. that kind of thing. Plus, now he'll be running for U.S. Senate, but. Um, yeah, I see. I see. He's running for Senate. Yeah, yeah uh, you know, yeah, that's somebody we, I'd we, encourage you to reach out to. We we have a we have a very 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 good sheriff here. Um, I know him personally as well. But I think um, because of time, he's a very busy person. Mm-hmm. I think because of you know his itinerary his schedule. I mean, it's, it's these guys are really 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 busy at, at you know. And, and ways that people would not imagine. So we, we have not really gotten into, you know, I, I haven't seen him for, for, for a long time. Then I read about him and look at his, the, the, um, the Facebook stuff and so on. But these guys are really busy. So I, I couldn't say that, you know, they will not accept something that is coming from me or anything like that. It would be wrong for me to even suggest that, you know, but I think, um, the way how their program goes and their time and everything doesn't 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 allow for that, you know. Um, maybe it will happen at some point in time when we would meet, and I'll be able to show them. But um, while while being at the um, Police Hall of Fame and Museum, I've had the opportunity there to um, to pass on some of this information and knowledge to some of the events that they would have held there, you know. Um, some of the sheriff deputies who were their instructors and police officers, you know, um, during my introductions and so on, let them know what I was. So I, ha- I was able to introduce 
myself to these guys and let them know what you know what I'm about and what sure. I have to offer. Sure. You know, what I have to offer. I've like spoken said, a few times at the Florida Sheriff's Association in the past, and you know that that to me is a group that seems to be a little more open to things. Again, they get busy when they leave there and yeah, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But I would think this is something that they would at least connect your, their training people right. with you over. You know, it it will be it will be a, a delight for me to, you know, to have an invitation. You know, to want to the academy and watch what they're doing, and to us and to show them, you know, um, a, a bit of what what I am about, what I'm teaching, mm-hmm. you know, and um, what I'm offering, you know, in these areas. Um, but like I said, you know, it, it it I think it would take some some doing because I mean these guys are extremely busy, and you know the world the world is on these people's neck all the time, you know. They don't. They don't have. They don't have it easy, Mm-mm. you know. So I, I quite understand, you know, the all the policies and you know all the challenges from the activists and and all of that. They, they have to be facing so much. It's it's not easy for them. Sure. You know. It's, you know. Everybody wants to file a lawsuit against the police <laughs> department and, and all of that. You get all these this group and that group and the other group and defund the police and and all of that stuff and so on. So it's it's really tough for them. Sure. And, yeah, but and I quite I, I quite understand. Sure. You know, but the the stuff that you're talking about, like the handcuff uh, supremacy, that. That's what saves officers and detention staff's lives, though, you know, and that, and that's why it's so important because I know like when I was an officer and we do our annual officer training stuff that, you know, once a year you go in and you spend one or two or three days doing your uh, advanced training stuff is we never got trained in like something like what you're describing in the handcuff supremacy stuff. Um, I, I remember being out on uh, patrol and arresting a drunk driver. And just as I was getting ready to put the handcuffs on, that's when he came combative, you know. And so you old school it with him and throw him on the hood of the car and you end up on the ground and just you you fight it out. But, you know, if I had those techniques that you're teaching, maybe we would have never ended up on the ground. Maybe, you know, it was would have been a couple moves and, hey, this guy's now in control again yeah because your form is now going to be called excessive use of force exactly yeah because we just go old school and we've and everybody's videoing right yeah Yeah. and but you know i'm glad that you say that because when you look at law enforcement defense tactics currently it is it is only geared in preparing you for a one-on-one confrontation yes that's right it is Personal defense tactics, PDT as I call it, trains you for multiple assailants mm-hmm. because it is based on movement. If you stand in front of an attack, you have a problem. That's right. <laughs> if you if you if you're static, you have a problem. Muhammad mm-hmm. Ali, who used to be Cassius Clay, yep. right. The reason why he was that good wasn't just because of the fact that he can punch so fast. No, he never stopped moving. <laughs> he never stopped moving. Right. It's continuous movement. Yeah. You know? I never even thought about that, but that's if, true. If you move, you keep moving, then that person has to adjust. 
defense tactics, any form of combat, these with movement and angles and point of points of contact. Most at most at most the the, the training in law enforcement defense tactic is a one point of contact. Mm -hmm. If somebody's going to grab your gun, they grab that person's hand and then they would do something like, let go of my gun. <laughs> I don't do that. First of all, it's going to be movement. Movement doesn't always mean your feet. It will mean and include your feet. But movement is also body. Sure. Mm -hmm. I can move my body. To something that is coming if if you come at me i can move my shoulder i can move i can move a part of my body that little movement makes a world of a difference sure does a world of a difference you're not going to your hand is not going to reach my side arm and then i would try to make contact with you because you have your your hand on someone who has not been weakened or partially disabled. So now you have that flow of energy that is going this way. Mm -hmm. Now, the person who is going to have more energy will be the person who is trying to defeat you to take your firearm, the criminal, that he wants to kill you. Sure. He's motivated. He's motivated. Mm -hmm. That one has the motivation. Why would you allow that person to reach the firearm and then say, Grab the hand, let go of my gun, kind of stuff. Please give that back. That Please give yeah. that back. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to have to write so, paper on this. Again, if that happens, if that happens, I, I have demonstrated where I use that handcuff, a rigid handcuff, put it on the hand. It doesn't feel pain. No energy from that person can transfer through the metal. So I can use that at various angles hmm. on that bony structure. You're not going to be holding for very long. That's right. <laughs> make it. Because what I do now, now that I have applied that technique on you, when I start maneuvering, I can get you to go down to the ground sure. easily because you're going to feel that pain. I'm going to tell you, sir, get down, get down, get down. You know, stop resisting. Right. You, you are going to listen because the thing, if you understand, biologically, that pain is going to move from the <laughs> bone here and it's going to go to the ears. That's right. Yeah. If, if people understand how pain travels, yep. you know, and if that person is under uh, is under a drug also, while they might be impervious to that pain, but you still have control because of the, the level that it become, you can still control that person. You can't try to control a person who is under the influence of some sort of psychotropic substance, sure. you know, by using some sort of, um, you know, digital point, you know, mm -hmm. uh, that you can press up. It's not going to happen yeah. because their body is now impervious to that. You have to use other measures of control. So you're telling me now I need to go buy some handcuffs. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> I'm headed to your red man stick. <laughs> no, it goes with it. But so you're telling me I need a particular kind of handcuffs. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah and then I'm gonna come take your and, class. And that means the hinge and the rigid. Mm -hmm. Those are the two handcuffs. Yep. The chain handcuff can be used in other certain circumstances. They can use that in the prison if they want to in other circumstances. But when it comes to close quarter combat, the hinge and the rigid handcuff, mm -hmm. that's what you need. Wow. Ask, 
ask now make them because they 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 are the rigid handcuff was first made by um by uh Hyatt H I A T uh it's a Brit- was a british company hmm. because i have an original one that was given to me as a gift by two of their their persons from england back in the ni- the early the early uh early 90s you know that we met back at home in trinidad you know in in this same sort of field you know, law enforcement and um but but us bought it over and that's how ASP have that hinge and rigid cuff now. You know, I, I still have the original one. But it's, it's very, very important. Now, if you have two Himalayan rams fighting each other for territory or for the female, they go like this, right? Now, what are they trying to do? They're trying to put each other off the cliff. <laughs> Because the Himalayan rams are always on the mountain side. And they're fighting for territory over her. <laughs> so when those two guys get together, they go like this all the time. And whoever is able to prevail will prevail in pushing that other one off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Why are we teaching police officers to engage a suspect head on like this? Now, we used to, or we still do have those variables that we look at with size, uh, weight, and height, and gender, and all of that. But I can guarantee law enforcement now that if you have a law enforcement officer that is 6 feet 7, 250 pounds, and he comes up against a mixed martial artist weighing 120 pounds and is 5'2", and this big, you're not going to defeat that 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 mixed martial arts person. Sorry. Mm-mm. You're not going to defeat him. Mm-hmm. You, you might think that I'm big and he's small. Well, I want to tell you now that your size don't matter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, size matter for certain people, but not for trained people. Right. Yep. But doesn't matter. And that's a disparity in thinking. Yeah. Because we see guys go to the gym, they have all the big muscles. Yep. Oh, I'm big. You know, I'm a small guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I might be a little developed and so on, but I'm small to these guys. You know, and I've had one time in ILFE in Texas. Um, we had a, <laughs> oh, he became my friend after a while. We were in Texas and he came to shake my hands. And so every time, shake my hand, he was squeezing my hand. I'm like, oh my God, you know, trying to break my hand off. I said, don't do it again. Don't do it again. And um, and everybody was laughing and I said, don't do it. We, we're warning you, don't do that to my <laughs> Next time we came in, there, we were all there, we were doing a, a, a vehicle type training stuff, you know, exiting the vehicle. Like, oh, Mike, and shook his hand and he really put the squeeze in me. And I did something with my wrist. And then he went, oh. <laughs> I said, I told you, what did you do? I said, I didn't do much. <laughs> but I understand the body, human body. Mm-hmm. I know your weak points. I know your vulnerable points. And I just want to show you how easy it is to break that wrist. Yep. 
like, we're going to be friends, man. <laughs> Please tell me that was Josh Logan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't Josh. Darn it. I would like video of that. <laughs> it, 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 was some, it was some years ago. I think it was um, in somewhere, somewhere in Texas. Really some years ago. So are but, you... But are, I, I, I do I do think that there there need to be some changes absolutely. to the way how they do stuff. You know, we, we, That's right. Our police officers are great, despite the fact that we do have, you know, people who make us look badly sometimes. True. Those are just individuals, and when 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 they misbehave, we discipline them mm-hmm. as we should and as we do. But our police officers are really dedicated and loyal in this country of yes. the United States of America. I just think that they're just being played a very bad hand. Yeah. Absolutely. It's current moments. Played a very, very bad hand. Do you have anything uh even in the future coming into Arizona? I don't know if ILF is scheduled. They haven't been to Phoenix in a long time. No, I I don't know. I, no, I, I think they're coming to to my state um next year. Okay. West Palm Beach. But you, you don't know, have anything Tom. else that no. you teach for? Because I don't know I don't even know where Ilita's gonna be. Um are they always in? Uh, I went once. Yes, I went once. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's where they, they don't be. move around. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, well, absolutely. we know you are a busy man, and we just can't thank you enough. And, and by the way, Amazon has my handcuffs right here. I can have them delivered today between two and six p.m. Thank you. <laughs> Very good indeed. So Very good. If indeed. I can get them before we go to uh, to uh, Laughlin, we'll try it out on you. Okay. Let, let's yeah. see if I can put you down. <laughs> And then I'll have to go to Mike's class. <laughs> but we cannot <laughs> thank you enough for yeah, taking absolutely. time out. And we would really, we'd like to have you again. I'd love if you get out this direction where we can get get yeah. you in studio. And mm-hmm. and we're going to be going to, to some uh, video on these podcasts eventually. Joel's in the process of getting us up and running so people can see all those uh overachievement awards you've got on the wall <laughs> behind you and everything and so we hope you'll come back on again absolutely because this is absolutely. this is truly I'm, I'm very thankful thank you for having me well we're and, honored uh, nice meeting you uh josh tom tom, tom and tom. joel yeah. our nice. producer yes thank you joel and um you know it's it's really a humble privilege that you can have me over there and i can talk you know i i am I'm blue. I, ble- I bleed blue. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know, some people, some it's our privilege. You're retired. You're not. You're never retired. Nope. I bleed. I bleed blue. Yep. That's that's, that's right. about it. Yeah. No, we're mm-hmm. honored, and I'm just honored to call you a friend after all these years too. And like I said, those were those were some good times at ILFE with Steve Johnson and. Well, we'll include Frank Repass only because he'll get his feelings hurt if we don't. <laughs> and uh, and and Don Smith and others. I keep up with all of them on Facebook. They they have to rib at me occasionally, needless to say. But yeah. <laughs> um, but hopefully we will be at an ILF. Are you pretty much there with the, at their ATC every year? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to shoot for for the next one. And yeah. if not, if you're going to be out this direction anytime, let us know, because we really would love I, to have sure you in the studio and introduce you to some people that might be interested in hearing about this training, too. Yep. I, I, so, I sure will. I sure will. This year will be 30 years in ILFE. Wow. That's, mm-hmm. yeah. No, okay. I hear you. Like I said, we, we started about the same time. So uh, thank you again and for all that you're doing to to try to get out there and help and hopefully 
God's going to open these doors that these administrators and people understand there are other ways we have to be able to do things differently as times change and we don't need to wait till officers are killed uh, to go, huh, probably should have had that training. Right. And Joelle will have all of your contact information and everything in the link on this podcast. We'll make sure you know when it goes out uh, also and contact information and everything. So um, we just go out tomorrow. Okay. So we just appreciate you and uh, anything we can do on our end, you let us know because we want to keep this friendship and connection up and work together on making things better for law enforcement. Yep. Um, uh, they can go to com- um, www.combativesystems.net. Okay. And um, it's all also on Facebook. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as well and Instagram. So Terrific. once you go to combativesystems.net, uh, it leads you to everything else. Terrific. Well, we'll make yeah. sure all that's on there. And Michael, again, great to see you, my friend. It's been too long, and it's just an honor to have you on here. And and we'll be back in touch. We'll we'll get you back on Absolutely. here again. Yeah. You want to wrap us up, Thanks. Tom? All right. Um, yes, again, thanks, Michael. It was a pleasure to meet you and, and speak with you and hear what you're doing. Uh, and I would definitely look forward to taking that uh, handcuff class. That would be... Me first. <laughs> me, me first. <laughs> that would be good. Um, but for our listeners out there, um, we are available for you 24-7. Um, you can call us anytime. Our number is 855-889-2348. And if you hit extension one, you will get somebody. Just stay on the line because it'll roll to the first available stress coach that we have. Um, you can also hit extension two and you'll go directly to Susan. Uh, most likely you'll probably get a voicemail, but leave a message and she will get back to you as soon as possible. You can also reach her on her cell phone. Yes, feel free to call or text 334-324-3570. Uh, and then if on that same, on our 855 number if you hit extension three you'll get david cohen our counterpart in alabama Mm -hmm. and extension four you'll get me if you want to reach me on my cell phone that is 480-861-6574 and this isn't just for first responders military and veterans it is for their families also we are here for you Uh, you guys kind of get left in the dark and abused um, and just Generally not appreciated. And need support. <laughs> right. And, and I want to clarify, and we try to do this every podcast, but we just get so frustrated with the resources that are out there, and they talk about being 100% confidential. Mm-hmm. Please understand, confidentiality is a legal term. I was a litigation paralegal 15 years before I started under the shield. But it is a legal term where there are exceptions that they will breach confidentiality. Anonymity is the strongest form of confidentiality. That's what we do. It's completely anonymous. We don't even have your phone number. When you hit that extension one, we have the number that you dialed. Uh, We're not going to ask your name. We're not going to ask where you are. Make up a name. Give me your chief, your sheriff. I don't know, whoever you want to give me. Uh, But the reality of the matter is we just know the importance of you feeling safe to reach out for help. We're not a referral service. We're going to help you. Uh, Again, if you'd rather talk to someone who's been a cop or been a firefighter or been a Marine or whatever, um, and you get me, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I'll pass you on to one of our stress coaches. We have them trained in every area. 
but please understand 100% confidential does not mean you will not ever be reported. It's legal. They have obligations when they're licensed, and it's not a criticism of them. It's a reality. Right. And we just want you to understand, because we've had too many tell us, but they said it was 100% confidential. <laughs> it is, <laughs> minus the exceptions. <laughs> right. and, uh, and also a lot of the, hot, the suicide hotlines, they will send the police to your house if they have concerns about you. Uh, there's nothing we don't deal with here. We look at it as a lifestyle, and that's why families, we encourage you to reach out to us. Uh, because, again, you're part of all of this big picture that... We need to be able to provide the resources for you as well. Exactly. All right. So next week, who knows where we'll be? Well, we got to get back from Bullhead City at Laughlin right. Live first. So that's we'll <laughs> we may have another adventure to talk about next you never week. Know. I'm sure we probably will. But Michael, again, great to see you. God bless you, my friend. God bless you too, and um, I pray God's blessing upon your health and everything. Thank you, thank you. I'm too stubborn for it. The Phoenix officers have already said they feel sorry for the cancer. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we hope everybody oh, yes. we hope everybody will come back to the Chris for our podcast studio presentation of fight in progress again and uh tom will uh, maybe mike needs to say a prayer for you before we get in the car this afternoon uh, but joel have money might need it uh, <laughs> but thank you to everyone out there listening and we just uh Thank you for your sacrifices because we know the families and, and our first responders and military are making them daily. God bless you. God bless our families and this great nation that we live in.